Well, hello everyone. Uh, welcome again to another edition of The Pastor in Your Pocket. Uh, it is our podcast for our church family, and as well, I do it live uh, here on Facebook just to continue to have community interaction. So you'll hear me responding uh, to people as they might chime in. So we want to welcome everyone there, both live on Facebook and listening uh, in the audio format. Um, this is a question that came in from one of our church family uh, via our group me. We have a group me uh, chat group going on. It's how we kind of pass communication and just stay connected with one another uh, as a church family. And so one of our church family members sent in a questions about repentance. Um, on Sunday, we talked about the truth and the reality of we are free from our sins in Christ through his death, burial, and resurrection, how he freed us completely from our sins. Uh, and then, so the question of repentance came, which is a normal question and really is a, a big question I run into quite frequently with people um, as we talk about the grace of God and freedom from sin um, and the power of the gospel. Uh, people have a question about repentance. What does it mean? Is it still for today? Does God want to hear us repent? Uh, do we have to repent? I mean, there's a whole bunch. I've heard all kinds of stuff in there. So I'd love to, again, even hear your thoughts and comments um, if you're listening or watching. But I just wanted to answer uh, this church member, and I'm just going to use his name. It's Kurt. He I tagged him in here. So thanks for the great questions, Kurt. So Kurt asked, you know, what about the weight of repentance for salvation? Now, Kurt, to be honest, I have never heard that phrase before about the weight of repentance. And I, and I didn't see it. I did a little bit of a search and I didn't see it um, in a search uh, in the Bible uh, to see if that phrase is used. So I need a little bit of clarity to understand what we mean by the weight of repentance. I think I know what it you mean or what it might mean. Um, what you also ask, uh, do we still need to repent today or does the blood of Jesus cover all of that? Uh, and then finally, you talked about, does, does God want to hear us repent when we pray? Um, so let's do some fun stuff. And I do this all the time with my kids, and this is a great lesson to do in life. First of all, we have to define our terms, and then we have to kind of get a little bit of a background of, I call it the question behind the question. Uh, what are the questions that motivated the actual question I was asking? Because uh, many times if we can answer the question behind the questions, uh, then our actual question answers itself. Um, so let's start with defining our terms. What do we mean by the word repentance? Uh, so in the New Testament, and I'm going to read, it's in Acts chapter 2, uh, around verse 38, uh, Peter's famous first message after the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he preaches Christ unto them. It says in verse 37, they were cut to the heart. They cried out to the disciples, what must we do to be saved? Peter answers them and says, repent, be baptized, and be filled with the Spirit. Kind of a real paraphrased thing. But he starts with, what do we do to be saved? He starts with the word repent. So the first step towards salvation is repentance. Now that word repentance in the Greek language is a word called metanoia. And simply all that that means is to change your mind and therefore change your direction. It's uh, We might call it do a U-turn, uh, change, again, change directions. You hear people name their churches 180 
you know, that whole idea of a 180 degree turn, that all comes from that one Greek word, metanoia. It means repentance. So it's a change of mind about something that leads to a change of direction or a change of action. So repentance is how salvation always begins. Uh, we first must acknowledge that I was a sinner, that I was headed in a direction away from God, following my sin and my sinful nature. I hear the good news of Jesus and what he did, that he liberated me from my sinful nature. So I repent, I turn, I change direction, I turn towards God, I walk towards him, and that's repentance. Now, sometimes, and it's not that it's wrong, uh, one of the church definitions of repentance is I feel bad, right? Or I got to feel guilty or I got to feel shame or I got to, and it's a, and I think that's what you meant, uh, Kurt, when you said the weight of repentance, that there's a feeling, there's a weightiness to repent. And I've got to be contrite and I've got to have this brokenness. And I don't necessarily disagree that you might feel some or all of those things when you are confronted with your sinful nature. When we realize just how desperately wicked we were without Jesus, it probably will smack us in the face and we might go, oh my goodness, I did not realize I was that wicked. And there might be a weight to that, that that's there, but repentance isn't feeling bad. Repentance is I'm allowing the good news of Jesus and the word of God to change my mind about myself and therefore change my direction. Um, it's really, and we're going to look at this here in just a minute with First John, and in our culture, I think it's important for us to understand that because there is a growing sense in our modern culture that sin is really not real that sinfulness and wickedness, I mean, what I say by that and what I mean is you hear phrases that people say this, well, people are basically good. People are intrinsically good. You know, you normally hear somebody say this, um, something horrible happens. You know, you hear on the news that some, whoever, some person did some heinous sin. They, you know, had an affair. They, molested a child, they murdered somebody, they, whatever they did. Uh, and it's this heinous thing. And somebody says, well, man, he was, he was such a good man. And we're kind of dumbfounded. That lets us know that culturally, the culture tells us people are intrinsically good and we are not. Scripture teaches us we are intrinsically wicked and evil. We are all unrighteous. We all were born into unrighteousness. There is no one who is right with God on their own or by their own nature. We are all desperately wicked and in need of a savior. And that's where we all begin, all of us. Every human being, we, we are in that. We were born into this wicked nature. Uh, I'm jokingly saying I've never had to teach my children how to lie, how to be selfish, how to be angry and throw fits, how to mistreat their brother or their sister. You never have to teach those lessons. They come right out of the fallen human nature, right? And so when we are confronted with that, then we have a decision to repent. When we hear what the word of God says, that I was desperately wicked, 
I was in, 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 a, in a state of sinfulness that I could not save myself from, but Jesus, God in the flesh came and he rescued me. He purchased me. He paid the price for all my sin. I'm now at a moment of repentance. I can either say, wow, I acknowledge my sinfulness and I turn to you, Jesus, my savior. That action is repentance. I'm changing the mind. I used to think I was okay or this was okay, but now I recognize this is not okay. This is sinful and I turn. So that's the definition of repentance. It's a turning. It's a changing of mind, a changing of mind about myself, a changing of mind about my actions. So I'm not going to call what is sinful good anymore. I'm going to change my mind and say sin is sin so that I have a chance to repent and turn towards righteousness. So that's repentance. Now, let's talk about some of the questions behind the questions. Is um, So is that a one-time deal? Do we repent once? Do we repent every day? Do we repent? How do we repent? You know, in kind of church history, there are two primary ditches of theology. There's what's called Calvinism and Arminianism, two ditches. Here's this Calvinism and some of its extremes, and I've heard this and seen this in my life, says, well, you've accepted Jesus, you're saved, you're eternally saved, it doesn't matter what you do, you can never lose your salvation, it'll never go away, uh, so you can just go out, you, you got your fire insurance, you're not going to hell, enjoy the rest of your life till Jesus gets back. That's one extreme. The, the other extreme is extreme Arminianism, which means if I... Uh, you know, cuss, or if I do some sin in some way, I do something and I get jealous or I get angry or I, 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 I do something that's not right and I don't immediately confess it and I get hit by a truck or I'm caught in a car accident, I, I die and I go to hell because I had an unconfessed sin in my life. That's kind of how I grew up more on a Pentecostal side of life. I grew up in some some instances of Arminianism where I jokingly said, you know, they, they kept you hanging out over hell, hanging on by a shoestring, right? And, and there's God with a pair of scissors, you know, and if you make one little slip up, snip, it's, it's cut and you're done. Well, that's also an extreme and wrong, right? So some of these are the questions behind repentance. And then we come into now, which I would say I'm very grateful to be a part of what might be called the grace movement or the word of faith movement or all kinds of stuff um, where we don't have to repent anymore. Everything is done. Everything is settled. Uh, there's no more repentance. It's all, I mean, there's all kinds of extremes and these are all hyper extremes that are done. So that's why I want to try to answer this in the time that remains with us is to answer these questions behind the questions. So again, what is repentance? Repentance is simply a changing of my mind and therefore a changing of direction. And then what about then do I constantly or continually repent? Let's go to the famous passage that, that I think most people talk about about this. It's first John in John's letter. I want to kind of read through some of these verses and maybe unpack it a bit. So, and I'm trying not to ramble because I know of time. Uh, and I wish everybody was sitting here and we were drinking a cup of coffee because it makes this conversation a whole lot more um, easy to do, right? When we can talk out all the details. 
uh, sometimes kind of hard to do just talking to myself in the microphone. But here's the deal. How often do I need to repent? We all must repent again, as I've already said, in the beginning of our salvation journey. When we hear the good news of Jesus, when we hear what he has done for us, when we come to realize ourself and we meet ourself, there should be a repenting. Uh, a story that comes to mind real quick is, is basically Peter's conversion, but it's more his calling into the discipleship. If you remember the story, it's in Luke chapter five. Jesus is teaching on the side of the sea. The crowd is large. He's kind of being pressed. He asks if he can get inside Peter's boat. They push out. Jesus teaches. At the end of the teaching, Jesus turns to Peter and says, hey, Peter, launch out into the, into the deep. Let down your nets for a catch. And it's interesting. Jesus uses the word nets, plural. Peter responds and says, I will let down the net, singular, meaning Jesus, I'm going to half-heartedly obey. I'm not really going to obey what you're doing. You don't know what you're talking about. I mean, there's all kinds of preacher uh, imaginations of how this conversation went. But in the end, Peter really wasn't going to do what Jesus was telling him to do. So he lets down the net. You, you all probably know the story. The net begins to fill to breaking. It's rupturing. They have to call their partners in the other boats. And almost the boats are almost sunk. And they get back to the, to the shore, to the side of the lake. And Peter falls on his knees and says, depart from me, I am a sinful man, I am a wicked man. In that moment, Peter was in a moment of repentance. He was acknowledging who he was and he was acknowledging who Jesus was. And he had a moment of repentance. Lord, you just need to get away from me. I am not worthy of you being in my boat nor my life. And I love the response of Jesus. Jesus never denies, nor does he uh, condemn or go along with what Peter said. He just begins to tell Peter who he's going to be because of Jesus being in his life. From this day forward, you will catch men and not fish. And, they, and then Peter followed. But that moment was a moment of repentance for Peter. He recognized who Jesus was and he recognized who he was. And then Jesus does what Jesus always does for all of us. Jesus then shows Peter his future and Peter repents. He turns and he follows Jesus. He leaves things behind. He left his fishing behind. He left the old way of life behind. He begins a journey. That little story is what all repentance is for each of us. There's a moment in my life that must happen when I see who Jesus is I see who I am, right? And then I turn and I begin to follow Jesus. I make a decision to 180 my life and go after him. That needs to happen for every human being on the planet. That's how salvation begins. Now, from that point forward, let's read here in 1 John. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, it says, So this is the message that we heard from God and declared to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So here's John's message. God is light and in him there is no darkness, no sin, no evil at all. If we say that we have fellowship or relationship with God and we walk in darkness or we walk in sin, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, 
meaning if we walk in the revelation of who he is, of his purity, of his righteousness, of his holiness, then we have relationship with one another. And notice this, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So here John talks about this is their message, that God is light, that he is holy, he is pure. And as we acknowledge that and follow after him, and we no longer walk in darkness, but we walk in the light of who he is, then we have fellowship with him. We have fellowship with one another as, as brother and sister in the Lord. And Jesus's blood cleanses us from all sin. Now here he begins to break some stuff down in verse eight. And this is similar to what we might have happen in our day. He says, if we say that we have no sin. Now here, John begins to say, hey, listen, because in, in the church at that time, and I've heard it said, and it's true, it's a lot like our churches today. There were people called the Gnostics that were in this church that John was writing to. Just like we have in our church. And all the Gnostics were is there were people who were saying that there was no such thing as sin. There were people who weren't really believers in Jesus. They weren't really followers of Jesus. We have that in all churches today. Every church probably in America is a mixed congregation. It's, it's filled with people who genuinely believe and follow Jesus, and it's filled with people who don't, who are there out of tradition, who are there out of their own selfish ambitions, who are there for whatever reasons they're there, but they may not actually be followers of Jesus, right? And so here, John begins to address this mixed crowd, and he says, hey, if you're here and you say, well, I don't have to worry about this because I don't even have any sin. Sin's not an issue. Sin's not really real. There's no sin nature. He says, then you deceive yourself and the truth is not in you. But it says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now here's the other word is the word confess because confession and repentance are tied together. This word confess in, in the Greek language, and I forgot how to pronounce it. It basically means this, I agree with someone. I confess that it's a confession of agreement. I agree. I agree verbally that, that there's a coffee cup over there. I agree that this is true. Or I agree. It's a word that means I verbally acknowledge something is what it is. So here John says, hey, listen, but if we confess, if we say, no, yeah, I am desperately wicked and I need a savior. And I say, yep, my past actions are sinful, right? And I acknowledge, I agree with God about sin, that sin is real, sin may be present, and that sin is wrong and should not be a part of my life. Then he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Now, to me, these verses are all pre-Jesus, pre-salvation. This is, again, leading up to the point of salvation because of what John is saying. Here's my message. This is the message we brought from you, that God is light. He is not full of evil. There is no darkness in him. And if we follow him, then the blood of Jesus, his son, will cleanse me from all of my unrighteousness. But if I say that I don't have a sin problem, then I'm deceiving myself the truth is not in me, but if I will acknowledge what God has said is true, that I am desperately wicked and I need a savior, I am a sinful person, then he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me from 
all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So again, and he follows it right up with what he said in verse eight. If I, if I say there's no such thing as sin, then I'm basically also calling God a liar, right? And his word, his truth is not in me. Now notice verse one of chapter two. So therefore, my little children, these things I write to you. Now notice why John is writing all of this to believers. My little children, I write this to you so that you may not sin. I love that. I don't think verse one gets enough press. We, we, we've, we've preached a lot about 1 John 1, 9, but not a whole lot about 1 John 2, 1, where John says, the reason why I wrote you about this sinfulness is so that you won't sin. It wasn't so that you would have an out to get out of sin. <laughs> you know, I've heard that in some of the camps I've run with uh, people and even ministers who, well, I'm going to go do X, Y, Z and, it, and it's not right, but I'll just first John one nine it. I'll just kind of, well, that's, that's wicked. That's wrong. <laughs> that's a wrong heart. If we can, oh, well, I've got first John one nine and I can just wash over my sin. That's not why John was writing this. John was writing all of this instruction so that we as believers don't have to sin, that you may not sin. Now, again, if you're a Christ follower, and, and, I, and especially to my church family who I'm primarily talking to, and we talked about our freedom from sin on Sunday, because I'm free from my sin, that does not mean I cannot sin or I can't leave and go do something sinful. I can go, I still have a free will. I can go do whatever I choose to go do. So I can still sin. I can still make mistakes. I just don't have to. There's no longer a sin nature that forces me into sin. There is no longer um, a motor for sin that is pushing me towards sin. I'm no longer having to wrestle with sin and, and go, ah, oh, this has just got the best of me. No, I have been freed from my sin, right? I have been liberated from my sin. I do not have to sin. Right, and so how do how do I know that? Because again, I am walking in the light after Him, and the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed me from all of my sin. There has been a point in my life where I confessed my sin. I declared that is not right. I am a sinner, and I need a Savior. I confessed my sinfulness, and He was faithful and just to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. All, notice those two, verse seven of chapter one and verse nine, I have been cleansed from all unrighteousness. I have been cleansed from all of my sin because I'm following, I've, I've repented and I've turned and I've started following Jesus and he has taken these things away from me. I do not have to sin. Amen. Now notice continuing in verse one of chapter two, Paul or John continues, he says, and if anyone sins, now he's talking to us believers. And hey, and if any one of you sins now post salvation, post believing in Jesus, then we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. The word advocate means a lawyer, someone who stands in our behalf. So if I sin now, can I sin after my salvation? Of course I can and I have, just as probably many of you have. 
but I have now an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself, verse two says, is the propitiation for our sins, and not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the entire world. So see, now we're in a different place. Jesus, that word propitiation means he is the one who appeased God's anger because of sin. He is the one who made it right, who atoned my sin. So now, if I sin, I have an advocate, Jesus the righteous, who is the one who's paid that price for me, for my sin, and not just for my sin, but also the sin for the whole world. So I can now come to Jesus based on what he has done. And again, we're at about 24 minutes, and I'm going to try to land the plane here. Now, again, this is a big topic. I'd love to hear more conversation. Please write me here on Facebook. Uh, you can uh, text me if you've got my, my cell phone number. Uh, just please communicate. I want to keep this conversation going. But here's how I, how I handle what we call repentance and how I handle what happens now post-salvation. So I hope you hear me. Pre-accepting Jesus, pre-salvation, every man repents. Every man acknowledges that he's a sinner, acknowledges that he needs a Savior who is Jesus, he repents, he changes his mind about himself and about his ways of living, and he turns to Jesus, which meant he changed his mind about Jesus. So Jesus was no longer just some historical figure. Jesus was no longer just some religious figure. Jesus is who Jesus said he was. Jesus is God. Jesus is the Savior. I must come to Jesus and receive righteousness because I am a sinner and I need salvation so I change my mind about Jesus. I change my mind about myself. I repent and I turn and I begin to follow after him and I leave my sinful ways behind, right? That's repentance. Everybody must repent. That's how salvation begins. Now, post-salvation, what happens if I sin? What happens if I make a mistake? Do I have to go get saved all over again? Well, no. Do I have to feel bad about my sin? Well, you don't have to, but you probably will. That's called godly sorrow. You're going to go do something wrong, and it's going to hit your new born again, just like Jesus' spirit, and you're going to be like, ooh, that's not me anymore. I should not have done that, said that, thought that, whatever. And, and there's a godly sorrow that comes, and you're like, okay, yeah, that's not right. So the process of repentance will still be in place. I will still acknowledge, yeah, whatever I just did is not right. I'm turning from that back to who I know I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. That's not me anymore. This is now who I am. So there may be a continual action of repentance, air quotes here for those that are listening, that's happening, but I'm not needing to get saved all over again. I'm not needing to to get uh, that forgiven because Jesus didn't cover it. So here, let me, let me, let me slow down. I'm, I'm rambling again. I'm sorry. So here's, um, here's, here's what, um, here's what's going on with this. How do we, um, how do we receive healing now that we're saved? If I'm sick, if some kind of sickness or illness comes to my body, how do I get and receive the healing that was that was given to me by Jesus. Do I have to re-crucify him? 
we would all say, well, of course not. No, I just receive what Jesus has already done for me for healing. Because when did Jesus pay for the price of my healing? Well, he paid for it at the cross. That's right, Kurt. I just, I just say, Lord, I receive, thank you for the healing that you've already paid for. Thank you for that. You already paid for that at the cross through your stripes, through uh, the things you received physically in your body. By your stripes, I was healed. So I receive my healing because you've already paid for it, right? I think you, I think if you believe you speak it out as well with healing, so it wouldn't speak, wouldn't you speak out forgiveness you have been? That's exactly right, Alicia. That's where we're headed. The same thing I'm using that now is what about if I have a financial need? Maybe I'm, I'm needing provision or I have a lack materially in, in my life. When did Jesus pay the price for me to be uh, prospered, if you will, to be blessed by him? Well, again, we would say at the cross, as Paul said, um, he was made poor at the cross so that I might be made rich because he was made poor, right? So Jesus already paid the price for my poverty. He already paid the price for any lack I may have. That's why I can come to him and ask him, say, Lord, thank you. This is coming up. I got a bill coming up or this has happened and I need you to take care of me or like what's, I mean, again, it's been what's going on as Selena and I sense his nudging us more and more back into full-time pastoring. All right, Lord, I sense that this is where you're leading us for this stage. Thank you that you're taking care of us. I receive the provision you've already paid for. Well, that's the same thing for forgiveness. When did Jesus forgive our sins? He forgave them at the cross. They're already all forgiven. Past, present, future sins have already been taken care of. So if I leave this time with you here and I go and I sin and I make a mistake, how do I receive that forgiveness? Again, air quotes. I say, thank you, Jesus, that you've already forgiven me. I now then I do acknowledge, I confess that whatever I just did is not right. Whatever I just action, attitude, again, don't have time to go into all of that. Whatever I just did, I acknowledge that that is not who I am anymore. That is not who you have made me to be in the new birth. And I acknowledge that that is sin and that is wrong. And I thank you that you've already forgiven me for it. I, I, I just thank you that that's already handled. And I turn again back towards the direction I'm walking, which is in him, in the light of who he is. And I love that even it says in that blood of Jesus is a perpetual, continual cleansing. It's like a waterfall that's just always present, just always there taking care of everything because he already paid for it all, right? So do I need to repent? That's why I said, well, we have to define what you mean. Have you come to Jesus at all? Have you, have you received him as savior at all? Then yes, if you, if you can say, I know I haven't been saved yet, I haven't believed in him, then yes, you need to repent and turn and go towards him. If you can say, well, no, I, have, I am a believer, I have believed in him, awesome. So then what you need to do is acknowledge that, yep, that's not good, I don't need to do that. That's not who he's made me to be. And I turn and I look to him because he's already forgiven me for anything that I might do in the future. 
And guys, and that's why I think John, that key in, in verse one, is first John chapter two, verse one. Why is John teaching us all of this? So that you may not sin. Read that verse. I'm reading the New King James Version. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. The reason why John wrote all of this instruction is so that we can not have to sin. We can live a life that is sin-free because I can step back and go, yeah, you know what? There was a day I can take you to a moment when I acknowledged my sinfulness, I acknowledged my unrighteousness, I received Jesus and I repented and I was born again and transformed. And if I make a mistake today, I can take you back to the cross and go, look, he paid for that back there. He's my advocate. That's already covered. Should I have done it? Nope, shouldn't have done it. That was wrong. Not going to do that anymore. I'm going to be who he's made me to be. I am the righteousness of God. Because that's also part of the confession is now post-salvation is I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am who he has made me to be. This is who I am because of what Jesus has done. So I'm going to go that way. So again, I hope this helps. Uh, again, I know it's a big conversation. Please, especially for our church family, send more comments in the group me. You can write me my text. You can send me a text here on the Facebook pages and messenger. You can write me. Um, you can write me in an email at brad at lifeoffaithchurch.org. Uh, let's keep this conversation going because it's important that we understand this. Because if you're a Christ follower, then you have been forgiven. You have repented. You have turned. You have been transformed. If you make a mistake today, just acknowledge, yep, that's not good. That's not right. Sorry. And I, this is what I do personally. Sorry about that, Father. I shouldn't have done that. Thank you for forgiving me. And now I'll just come back to who you made me to be. So I hope this is helpful. Uh, again, we'd love to hear more on it. We'll talk to you guys soon. Love y'all. And we'll, hey, we'll see you tonight. It's Thursday. We'll see you at our midweek gathering.